If you have a pew Bible, then uh, you were at page, I think, 784 a moment ago. If you have your own Bible, I'd still love you to be in Acts chapter 16. We're going to be there this morning for a few minutes. You know, we've noticed already several times the fact that as the church was going into the Mediterranean world, as it was uh, spreading the gospel and experiencing this new life that all of these people had in Jesus, that prayer and fasting were a focus of what they were about. And I have no doubt but that the reason that they were so successful is because the Holy Spirit was answering their prayers, that the Holy Spirit, that God was honoring their fasting and the relationships that they had with him. And because they were praying and fasting and there was something dynamically spiritual going on because God was present with them, that the church was flourishing specifically for that reason. The Holy Spirit came upon the church was present in the life of the church. And so the things that these people were trying to get accomplished were not being done by what they themselves were doing, but by what God was doing in and amongst them as they were honoring him. Do you agree? Like I would say that it didn't have much to do with the people. Like Paul was a good guy. He had some abilities. He had some knowledge especially. But Paul was not necessarily, for example, a very good speaker. If you look at 1 Corinthians in the first couple of chapters, and then you look later on in 2 Corinthians, Paul makes some claims about his own ability as a speaker, which make you think that he's not the guy that you would hire to be your preacher necessarily. Not that those of us who are hired as preachers are necessarily great speakers. And isn't that, in fact, the point? That God takes weak vessels who don't have all kinds of abilities and he does something through them that they couldn't otherwise do because God is the one who is present within them. And that's exactly what he did with Paul. And so Paul says in the first couple of chapters of 1 Corinthians, things like, I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words. I came to you instead with the gospel. And then he goes on to say that this was a spiritual gospel, a spiritual event. The Holy Spirit was part of what I was doing. It's only discerned spiritually. All of that has to do with this intense intense sense of spirituality about what is going on. And of course, as we saw already, if you flip back just for a second to Acts 13. You look at the first few verses of Acts 13 and just run through those first five verses and you're going to see two things at least. You're going to see that the church was praying and fasting and you're going to see that the Holy Spirit is right at the center of what they're doing. Because the Holy Spirit is right at the center of what they're doing and is honoring these prayers and is honoring the fasting Then missionaries are sent out and they immediately begin in chapter 13 to have a dramatic impact on the Mediterranean world. And we saw that when Elamas, for example, came to Paul and Paul looks him in the eye and says, basically, you're Satan and I'm going to blind you. 
And he does. And God blesses Paul with that ability. And it's the Holy Spirit who works through Paul to make that happen. As the story unfolds, you see people who become Christians because Paul is able to speak to them in such a way through the gifting of the Holy Spirit that changes their lives. You move into chapter 14 and you find the same exact thing happening. The Holy Spirit blessing the life of the church and Paul and Barnabas go to these various places and it's not by their own ability. It's the Holy Spirit who works among these people who makes for God's power, God's gospel to have an impact on the world. So it's not surprising as we continue the story of just talking about the early church going into the world. It's not surprising when you get to Acts chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit is still with them and doing wonderful things. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 16. They've had a bit of a disagreement, Paul and Barnabas have. Barnabas wants to take Mark. Paul wants to have nothing to do with it because Mark has not been particularly cooperative and faithful as he wants him to be. And so Paul ends up choosing Silas and Barnabas takes Mark and the two of them split at this point in the missionary journey. And the story at verse 1 of chapter 16 picks up with Paul and Silas moving on in the journey. It says, he, talking about Paul, came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, you might think, well, what's Paul doing here, getting Timothy circumcised? I thought Paul was the the one who argued that circumcision was not important. You didn't have to do this anymore. And indeed, that's the case. For Paul, circumcision has no religious significance any longer. What it does do, however, is it allows Timothy to be accepted by the Jews in the places where he goes so that there's not so much controversy when he gets there. And so this is absolutely a practical matter. It's not a spiritual matter. Paul is making a practical decision, just making it so that Timothy can more readily be accepted and they won't have problems when they go from place to place with people questioning who in the world is this Timothy uh, and what's he doing here. They knew his father was a Greek and so they would be challenging uh, Timothy's place in the kingdom. Verse four, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. And there had been some decisions made in Acts chapter 15 and Paul and Barnabas and those as they went out, they were disseminating those decisions. And so Paul does that. Verse five, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. This is wonderful if you think about the, the, the humble beginnings of the church uh, when it comes to the Gentile word especially world especially, and then they go out into this Gentile world and begin to have real progress. The church is strengthened, it says, and there are people coming to the the Lord daily. The church is growing daily in numbers, which is a, that's a problem every church should have. You know, you'd have to wrestle with getting a bigger building. You'd have to worry about a bigger parking lot. You'd have to worry about a bigger budget and all of that. But having daily The numbers grow would be absolutely fantastic. Every church wants to have that problem. And then, again, we'll look at verse 6. And I want you to watch the way the Holy Spirit works in the life of the church. And, And let me preface my comments by saying this. I have wanted my whole Christian life to have the sense that the Holy Spirit was working powerfully in the church. 
And sometimes I've seen glimpses of it. Sometimes I've experienced what I thought was the Holy Spirit being right part of the ministry of the church. And when I I thought to myself, God, you're working so powerfully right now. People are coming to you. Things are happening. Good things are, are blessing us. And so, God, thank you for working in us through the presence of your spirit. Sometimes I've experienced that, but I must admit it's not the phenomenon that's, that's constantly present with us the way we'd all like it to be. And their experience is different. I want their experience. I don't necessarily have to have everything that they had. We're going to see here in just a moment the way the spirit speaks to Paul in a dream. I'm not looking for dreams. I don't want Paul to to plant in me dreams in that, or God, to plant in me dreams in that way, unless he, of course, wants to. But that's not my main objective. I'm not looking for visions here. But I do want for God to direct us, for there to be a a direct, overt, hands-on kind of direction by God of the ministry of the church. Look at verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Now, can you imagine? Paul is trying to go to some place to preach the gospel, and the Holy Spirit says, no, don't go there. Now, clearly, the Holy Spirit isn't saying, I don't care about those people. The Holy Spirit isn't saying, we'll never go there, let them be lost, or something like that. So what's happening? Well, there must be some kind of prioritizing on the part of God and the Holy Spirit with respect to the ministry and the preaching of the gospel in the ancient world. The Holy Spirit must be saying, not there yet. I've got a different plan. We need to do this first, and then we can go there. So the Holy Spirit keeps them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Then verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. So again, they've got a place where they think, well, maybe this is where we're going to go. We're going to preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit says no. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they've got two no's now in the direction that they're trying to go. The human plan, the church's plan, is not God's plan in this case. Now you have, in this situation, you've got some pretty wise people, okay? You've got Paul, who is an apostle. You've got Silas, who is traveling with him. These are people that God has handpicked to do what he wants in the Lord. And so they're out there doing his service. And we would ultimately say that someone like Paul is inspired of God. I mean, the man wrote a good portion of the New Testament. He must have some insights into God's will and the Holy Spirit. But twice, Paul and his companions have tried to go into areas to preach the gospel. And in both cases, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them go. Said no. That that clues me into the fact that sometimes churches can go in a direction by their own will, with their own thoughts... And they need to be careful to let the Holy Spirit ultimately be the guide for that direction. And it's not that Paul was a bad guy and that he wanted to go to Bithynia. (laughs) He was a good guy. But he wasn't at that point yet being led by the Spirit, even though he very much wanted to be. So it's like he's testing things out. Which way do you want us to go, God, here? We'll go this way. But no, 
is the answer. And we'll go this way, but no is the answer. And so finally, the Holy Spirit really tells Paul where they need to go. So they passed by Mysia in verse 8 and went down to Troas. And you almost get the impression they went down to Troas because they didn't know where else to go. Where are they going to go? During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, watch how quickly this happens. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Two knows, and they'd have to be wondering what's going on, but then a great big yes. And when you read through the rest of the story, there are people that converted are converted uh, throughout the area in which they go. They go into Philippi, for example. Eventually, they convert Lydia. There are just good things that happen because the Holy Spirit was directing the mission of the church. And it's clear that when they finally do hear from the Lord what it is that they're supposed to do, that's, a, that's exactly what needed to happen. And God takes them into that region and he blesses them every step of the way. Now, what I think is a reasonable conclusion is that because the church was open to the guidance and blessing of the Holy Spirit. Remember Acts 13? They're praying, they're fasting, and in the middle of that, while they're worshiping the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to the believers at that point and sets aside Paul and Barnabas for ministry. Right in the middle of them praying and fasting and worshiping. So they're focused on God, they're inviting the Holy Spirit into their presence, and when they do, God sets aside these missionaries. And then, in Acts 16, even though they don't, on a human level, have a clue. The Holy Spirit continues to work with them and eventually shows them very clearly exactly where he wants them to go. And I think that it's the praying and the fasting and the openness and the reception of the Holy Spirit into their lives that allows the church to hear the message that the Spirit wants them to hear and that takes them into Macedonia, into the region of Philippi, and they're able to do some real good work there. But it wasn't by human design... It was by Holy Spirit design. Now you might think then, okay, if that's the case, Cal, what are we going to do? It's a reasonable question. We see this example in the early church. God blesses them with exactly what they need to do in him. How is it that we're going to get the same kind of interaction going between ourselves and God? How is it that the elders here, or myself, or one of you who's sitting in the pews today, how is it that you are going to have the notion that God wants you to have about the direction that the church needs to go in terms of its ministry? Ed, you're exactly right. Ed just said, praying and fasting. Way to go, Ed. That's perfect. Like, that's exactly right. It's not going to happen because some men that we appoint sit in a room on Tuesday night and make some decisions. It's not going to happen because Kelly and Peter sit down at lunch one day and they decide what we're going to do in terms of our ministry with the church. 
how we're going to reach people for Jesus. That's all good stuff, and that needs to happen. But the most important thing that needs to happen from everything that I read in the story of the book of Acts and the way that the church is moving forward, the most important thing that needs to happen is that the church needs to pray. And the church needs to fast. And the church needs to be worshiping. And when the church is praying and fasting and worshiping and waiting for God to bless them with information, a message of what it is that they're supposed to do as a church, my Bible seems to say to me, Kelly, have faith that God is going to give you that. He's going to take you in exactly that direction, the way that he took them in a direction. And again, I'm not looking to go to sleep tonight and, and for a vision to go through. To me, come to me in, a, in the middle of a dream. I'm not really anticipating that. Although if God decides to do that. Praise the Lord. Maybe it won't be me. Maybe it'll be James. James. You might be the one who goes to sleep tonight. God will bless you as you do. Do you ever have nightmares and dreams. And things that come to you. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. But it could. And if it did I would praise the Lord. If we could confirm that some vision that James had was the vision that the church had to, uh, was supposed to receive. If that's what God clearly was directing us toward, well, I would praise God for that. Not sure that's going to happen. So what do I expect? Well, I do expect that God is going to bless us. It may be through what looks like human decisions. And the way that those human decisions, I think, are going to come about is by the church spending the kind of time in prayer and fasting that it needs to spend in order for God to bless us. I, I know of no other way to go about this. Like, we, we try other ways. We, you know, we can do all kinds of human investigation in terms of what works as a church. We can talk about what works as far as evangelism. We can do a lot of thinking and planning about all of that. But until we spend the time in prayer that we need to in order to make this happen, our efforts will look very human and not very spirit-led. So here's what I'd like us to do this morning because we didn't just come here to go through some rituals. We didn't come this morning just to uh, perform some religious deeds. We came this morning to have some interaction with God. We came somehow this morning, each of us, to experience something of the divine. We want to be led today by God and not to just say, I went to church. They met from 945 to 1045 and I was there. Took the Lord's Supper, heard some preaching. We don't want to just say that. We don't want to just do that. What I want this morning is for God to come and bless us while we're praying. And for him to, to visit the church, for him to visit himself upon the church and to bring out in us something to, and plant something within us that maybe we haven't seen before in terms of direction and ministry and what he calls us to be as a church. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you will, to divide up into groups of about five or so. Okay? I want you in your groups... Find someone in the group who is willing to pray. I'm not going to, you know, sometimes we ask for everybody to pray, and I'm not looking so much for that this morning. I want someone in your group to be willing to start your prayer and to lead that prayer. 
and to close that prayer. If you decide that you want two people to do that, that's within your group, that's perfectly fine, okay? But at least have someone in your group who will say, let's pray this morning and ask God to provide us with understanding about what he wants us to do in our world in ministering for him. And my Bible seems to indicate that if we do this, that God is going to do something. That it's not just some kind of idle exercise. We're not just trying to eat up time here. But that we're going to pray and ask God to give our church a vision for what he wants us to be and to do in our world. And I I believe that God will answer these prayers. There's no reason for us to spend this time in prayer this morning if God's not going to answer those prayers. But I absolutely believe that he will. And so we're going to pray. Okay? So I'd like you to get into groups of about five, real quickly here. Ask someone in your group to lead you in prayer regarding the ministry and direction of the church. And then I'll close off Uh, in prayer for us in just a few moments. Okay? Please get into groups of about five. If you've got a group of three and you look and you see somebody, just two people sitting somewhere and they're not really getting into one of those groups, then grab them and pull them into yours. I'm going to uh, close out our time together uh, with a prayer this morning. I... I don't for a moment, I don't for a moment think that we did anything just now other than ask the Lord of glory to come in and bless us as a church so that we might get the things done that God wants us to get done. And I have no doubts, not one doubt, but that God will bless this exercise, that he blesses us when we pray. And so if we've asked this morning for this blessing from God to show us what you want us to do, God. I absolutely believe that he answers those prayers, that he will answer them, that he's answering them right now. Let's pray and we will uh, finish our time together. Lord God, we thank you for the privilege we have of gathering together today. And, and Father, not just uh, to, to carry out some acts before you, we, we we did some things this morning, Father. We've, we've sung together and we've taken the Lord's Supper and we've, we've listened to the Word of God. And uh, Father, all those things are wonderful and we just thank you and praise you that we can do them. But we don't want to do them in a perfunctory way. We don't want to just do them to get them done. We want to do them as, as you're present within us doing them. And we want every aspect of our worship to be Uh, such that you're right there with us as we worship and honor you. And the same thing is true of our time of prayer. God, we want so much for you to to be present with us as we pray always. We thank you this morning that we go before your throne room and, and enter into your presence and that you through your spirit have blessed us as we've entered in. Thank you that we could call each other to prayer and pray with one another. It's so clear in your word, God, that when we do that, that you come and that you bless us with vision even about how we can work better for you. And so, Father, direct us, direct the ministry of our congregation, direct our our ministry, our focus, our vision, our dreams, our mission, 
direct all of that, God, be right at the heart of leading us forward to do what you want us to do in this place. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.